You're listening to BiblioAsia Plus, a podcast produced by the National Library of Singapore. At BiblioAsia, we tell stories about Singapore's past, some unfamiliar, others forgotten, all fascinating. When Stanford Raffles arrived on these shores in 1819, there were already people living here. Among them were a group of sea nomads called the Orang Selita. At the time, they made up about 20% of the local inhabitants of Singapore. Who are the Orang Selita? They are a people who used to live on boats in the waters between the northern coast of Singapore and the southern coast of Peninsular Malaysia. That was the past, though. In Singapore today, the Orang Selita have largely assimilated into the local Malay community. In Malaysia, though, they've managed to hang on to their identity and their nine Orang Selita villages dotting the southern coast of Johor. My name is Jimmy Yap, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of BiblioAsia. Today, our guest Ilya Katrinada will tell us more about the Orang Selita. In 2018 and 2019, she was part of a project that sought to archive the voices of the Orang Selita who live in Malaysia. She also played a host to them, when they visited Singapore in 2019. Ilya is an educator and writer who is interested in the intersections of creativity, community and education. She graduated with a major in anthropology. Hi Ilya, welcome to BiblioAsia Plus. Hi Jimmy, thanks so much for having me here. It's my pleasure. Uh, can you tell us a little bit, you know, um, how did you get involved in the Orang Selita community? You know, why did you get involved in this oral history project to document their lives? Mm, actually, this project was started by my research team lead, Chan Kami. So shout out to Kami if you're listening to this. And uh, she started the project when she was on sabbatical from her work. And she had read uh, Isa Kamari's book, Rawa. So uh, have you read Isa Kamari's book before? I have not. Okay. <laughs> neither in English or, or in Malay. Yeah, so she read the, the English version of it. And Rawa basically tells the story of um, the Orang Selita community through the eyes of an Orang Selita called Rawa um, during the post-independence part of uh, Singapore's oh, history. See. Yeah, so during that time, there was a lot of development, right, in Singapore. So what happened to Rawa and his community? So that was what uh, Isa Kamari was uh, writing about in the book and she wanted to uh, turn the book into a film because it really talks a lot about um, not just the Orang Selita community but also about Singapore's mangroves and Isa Kamari does like a really really good job in um, detailing like how the the lush mangroves are in Singapore and she was very uh, impressed by it uh, and it's also like a a piece of literary writing that is told from the perspective of an orang selita, which is very rare, because if you look at um, like historical sources about the orang selita, it's always written from the perspective of the other. Um, and so, in order to write the screenplay, Kami wanted to 
meet the orang selita for herself. So she went to Johor Bahru, <laughs> and she went to a, a village, Kampung Sungai Temun, which has a orang selita cultural center. There are a few uh, restaurants as well. So they're very like uh, welcoming to tourists coming. Yeah. So she went there and she met them, and she realized that um, there there are a lot of stories. Uh, from the Orang Selita community that have not been formally recorded and documented. So she started this oral history project. Um, and at that time, I just graduated from university, so I majored in anthropology, and she needed uh, someone to help her out with the project. Yeah, so I jumped on board at that time. Sounds very exciting. Um, mm. You know, Ra- when Raffles came in 1819, mm. he, he, he noted that there were orang Slater living here. Do we, do we know, do we have documentary evidence or some kind of evidence of how far back the orang Slater have been in these waters? So Portuguese sources in the 15th century, right? Um, they did mention the uh, salat. So salat means like straits in Portuguese um, but it didn't refer to specifically the Orang Salita but more of uh, the sea nomads that were around this region. Um, yeah, that was the earliest I think that was the earliest documentation. Right, right. But you, as you're saying, this is just the, the Orang the Orang Laut Yeah, not whole, the Orang Salita. Not the Orang Salita specifically. specifically mm. Okay, alright. But it was the Orang Selita actually who uh, are they the ones who are most closely related to the Johor royal family, or is that different Orang Selita group, uh, Orang Laut groups? Do you know? Uh, mostly related. I I I'm not sure in terms of the comparison, but they are very closely. They were very closely. Uh, they had a close relationship with the Johor Sultanate then. Yeah. Tell us, you know, how many times did you go to, to Johor uh, f- to, to interview these people? Because I guess that's what you did, right? You mm, went down yeah. to, to, to Johor to interview them. Uh, in 2018, I think over a period of two months, we went f- about maybe twice a week. So that was quite intense. Wow, uh, and it okay. was day trips right, uh, right, to right. visit different villages and to interview different uh we tried to interview the interview the elders in the community. Yeah, and then after those two months, uh, we got a bit busy with work and life. <laughs> so the visit became about once every month. The Orang Slater, you know, used to live on boats. Do they hmm. still live on boats or do they live on like on, on, on land but they have boats? Uh, so in the past, they used to live on boats made of wood. Uh, made of Soraya and Maranti wood, uh, among others. And these boats had attached uh, roofs that were made of Mengkuang leaves. Um, so the Mengkuang leaves like uh, helped to protect them from the sun, from the rain. Um, but now they don't live in these boats anymore. So they have homes on land uh, by, by the sea. Uh, and the the houses that I've seen, there are some, most of them are made of concrete. Uh, there are some structures that are made of wood uh, wood as well. Uh, and they have boats, but these boats are fiber boats. So they no longer have uh, wooden boats because it's more efficient for them to go fishing using fiber boats. Right. So do they still live, make a living by, uh, make a livelihood, you know, from, from the sea? Mm-hmm. It's just that they no longer live on a boat. 
Yeah, most of them still uh, do fishing-related activities. Uh, they rear mussels, which is something that they did not used to do, actually. Uh, they go out to fish and then they sell it at the market. But there are also a growing number who are uh, working inland. So um, whether it's working in like, offices or factories. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, you know, when you, when you first went to meet the Orang Slita, you know, in their kampongs, mm. What surprised you most about about that whole experience? A lot of things surprised me. <laughs> okay, all right. Like so, what? Like what? Uh, the first one would be how, uh, the contrast between the environment in the village versus the environment right outside of the village. Well, so, what do you mean by that? In most of the villages that we went to, you had to drive quite a distance, maybe like 5 to 10 minutes from the main road in order to get to the village. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And for uh, one of these villages in Danga Bay, uh, we actually passed by a lot of uh, fairly new like condominiums. Yeah. And then uh, when we arrived at the village, it was a uh, stark contrast. It's uh, no condominiums, of course. <laughs> and it's like... I guess they're uh, not very... They're not... They're not it's kind of old and run down, maybe. Uh, maybe not very run down. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's a, a very stark contrast between right. the the shiny like waterfront kind of residences right. outside of the village and uh, what we saw there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, so, mm-hmm. Apart from the physical and you know different uh, the differences in the, mm-hmm. the kind of houses, what 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 else surprised you? Uh, I think one thing that was very intriguing to me was that uh, even though all of the villages that we went to, we went to four different ones. They identify as Orang Selita. Each village uh, had quite a distinct identity. So, um, for example, one of the villages that we went to, they are mostly all Christian. Um, And then there's another village that we went to that is uh, mostly Muslim. And they uh, intermarried quite a number with uh, Malays. Um, and then there's another village which is very interesting. There were like Muslims and then uh, there was a Chinese Tauke. <laughs> and then there was this uh, other Orang Selita in that village also who still identifies as animistic. Right. Yeah. Oh, so there were like these three communities that were living in that Yeah, village. in one village. And they seem to be very like, harmonious, you know. Right, there's no right. like, uh, no tension or, or anything. We didn't feel that, yeah. Uh, so the Orang Slita were traditionally animists, mm. um, but it sounds like you know they have you know some have you say have become or maybe uh, you know some have become Christian, some have mm. become Muslim, yeah. and you know what, what percentage of them uh, remain uh, animist? Uh, out of the four villages that we went, um, we only really met one person who is still uh, oh, who really? still holds on to his animistic beliefs. Oh, yeah. interesting. So everybody mm. else has like moved on to to embrace a different yeah. faith. Oh, yeah. that's very interesting. Yeah, but even though they embrace a different faith, um, they still do carry on, um, they still remember the teachings of their ancestors. So like for, because for people who are animistic, they, they believe that um, there are spirits, right, uh, in the environment. So even though like uh, the Orang Selita have converted to Christianity, for example, they still do believe in the presence of spirits. Right, but right. instead of asking for their ancestors for help to protect from these spirits, they will ask uh, their God. 
right right now do they still call themselves orang selita i mean they haven't been to selita for very mm. long right i mean yeah so they are formally recognized as orang selita at least in malaysia um but actually they don't call themselves they didn't they claim not to name themselves orang selita they call themselves con so they call themselves Con, yeah, but they they have a distinct identity as being different. Even though if they they might be Christian or Muslim, mm. now they still know that they are not, for example, Malay. Mm. Or yeah, they don't not, identify as Malay. Yeah, so they they identify themselves as having a particular or as belonging to a particular ethnicity, mm. regardless of the religion that they might subsequently yeah. have. Yes, right. Um, what what language do they speak? They have their own language, so it's the consulita language, and it sounds nothing like Malay. <laughs> oh, it, it sounds nothing like Malay. Yeah, so, so you when couldn't speak, understand. No, I couldn't understand at all. Um, but interestingly, we did have a conversation with them about language, and they said that um, because there's a lot of intermingling between them and uh, the Malay and the Chinese co- uh, communities outside, uh, they, the language has also evolved. Yeah. So, for example, the word for eat in their language is kayo, and then now uh, some of them would say man, and man is very closely related to makan, which means eat in Malay. You were saying that they they make a living from the sea, so mm. they 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 fish, they rear mussels. Mm. What else do they do? Um, for the village in Danga Bay, they actually have a restaurant as well. Oh, for for tourists. Yeah, for okay. tourists, for locals as well. Oh. Um, recently they reopened the restaurant, so a Chinese businessman uh, invested in the restaurant, and they, uh, they cook seafood. So some of the seafood uh is caught from the sea around them, and some is bought. Oh, and for that village in Dangabe as well, they also uh, conduct cultural activities. So, like I mentioned just now, there's a museum over there. Right, right, so, right. So, uh, they bring tourists around the museum, uh, pre-COVID especially, and then they bring tourists around the mangroves uh, near the village. Oh, uh, on yeah. boats? Or, yeah, or, on fiber boats. Oh, did you do that? Yes, I did. Was that cool? <laughs> what, what, did you guys, what did you see? It was... Was it like exciting, uh, interesting? Yeah, it was very interesting. So um, the guy who led us on the tour, Jeffrey, he's also a photographer. And he he would just pluck certain leaves that uh, that we saw along the way and he would tell us, uh, oh, this nyire, for example, is used uh, as a medicinal plant. Um, and then we saw uh, certain different types of crabs as well. Um, but he, along the way, he did also mention that um, a lot of the mangroves are currently being uh, destroyed. Um, and yeah, at, at the same time, it's also a lot of uh, the natural heritage that, that is no longer there. Especially for those who have become Muslim, there's mm. been some intermarriage with the local Malay community. Do yes. they tend to move out from the, the kampongs or do people move in? For the Muslims that we met, the people moved in to the village, yeah. So for that one particular village uh, near Pasi Gudang Port, the headman is a Muslim. Yeah, so, and he also married a, a non-orang Salita. And uh, his children are Muslims as well. And the yeah, they also married uh, Malays. Yeah, so they moved into the village. 
Presumably, they also speak Malay. I mean, they, they yeah. speak consulator, but they also speak Malay. Yes. I, I had a very important question I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. What was the food like? The food? Uh, was it right? Was it like, would, it, would you consider it like similar to Malay food? Oh, interestingly, we've actually never eaten at the villages before. Oh. Yeah, because the one that we always go to, the one with the restaurant, they, they're not Muslims, right? Oh, and they so. go hunting for wild boars. Oh, so. I see, I see. Okay, yeah. okay. You know, you, you were saying that, you know, Jeffrey took you mm. out as a, as a tour guide through the yes. mangroves, right? Um, do they still maintain this link with the land? I mean, with the uh, sea. Oh, sorry, with the sea. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is this is this is uh, an example of sort of land focused perspectives and all mm-hmm. our all our metaphors relate to land but mm-hmm. actually it's a sea right you're right yeah um i would say that the older generations yes because they live through the times when they were still rowing around the Singap- the joho streets right so there's still um a very strong connection to the sea um, but for the younger generations, I wouldn't think so. They're just staring at their phones like all <laughs> young people. They still do go out and rear muscles, uh, catch crabs to help their parents. But um, interestingly, one of uh, our interviewees, Mina, she said um, she, she had this sentiment la, and she kept saying that uh, people uh, the children nowadays, they don't like to go out uh, and uh, look for crabs because it's so hot. And she would say that okay. last time in yeah in the past, she always had to go and do it. Right, but now her right, grandkids right. don't like to do it anymore. Right, right. They, they yeah. prefer just going to the supermarket and buying it maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in your essay for, for Biblio Asia, you wrote that the Orang Slater have their own version of the origin mm. of the of the name Singapura. You know, mm. can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this is one of their favorite stories to tell. Okay. Us. So every village that we went to, they would always say, "We have this version of history." <laughs> okay, yeah, I like to hear it. Like, to hear yeah. It. So they said that uh, in the past, when Sangila Utama came to Singapore, Sangila Utama actually met the their ancestors who were around the Johor Streets. And they asked, he asked uh, the ancestors, what is this island? And they said, oh, it's Singapulao. So Singapulao became Singapura. Ah, okay. But Singa, for, for the Orang Slater, also meant lion? Yeah. Oh, okay. Singapulao. And, and they, they, you, you brought them around when they, they came to Singapore in 2019, apparently. Yes. There was a group that who, who somebody organized it and thought, let's check out your old hangout? <laughs> so, uh, it was actually um, because Drama Box at that time was uh, organising a play. So, uh, shout out to Drama Box. Uh, Drama Box actually used our interviews um, to create a play, a verbatim play about the Orang Selita oh, okay. uh, as what part of the Bicentennial. Uh, Tana Air, a Tana play Ayer. in two parts. Tana Ayer? A play in two parts. A play in two parts. Yeah, so uh, we thought that uh, it would be out of courtesy, right, to uh, invite them over to watch the play. Um, but of course, if we wanted to bring them to Singapore, we might as well bring them on a tour. Uh, that will be interesting for them. So for the tour, what we did was that uh, we brought them to different locations in Singapore, which they have mentioned before in their oral history interviews. So places like uh, Singapore River, uh, of course, uh, Salita Reservoir. 
Yeah, so when we went there, um, it was interesting because there's this uh, board at uh, at the Selita uh, Park uh, that has a picture of their ancestors on it. So they were able to name um, the man in the picture. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's so and, cool. Uh, we walked along the boardwalk, and I could sense from from um, the their facial expressions that for those who have been there, um, maybe they were f- they had a flashback. <laughs> yeah, and they thought about how different uh, the place is now as compared to last time. Yeah, and interesting also they were looking at the at the sea and how many fishes there were. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. You can't, you can't, you can't take the, or- the, the sea out of the Orang Slater, right? Yeah. And then we went to um, Sembawang Park. Okay. Yeah. So at Sembawang Park, uh, Sembawang Park faces Johor Bahru, right? And um, they were just pointing out like, oh, that's Kilo's village. So Kilo is a man, an Orang Slater man who lives in one of the villages. Um, that that we could see from Sembawang Park. Oh, so from Singapore, you can yeah. see some of these uh, settlements, these villages. Yeah, we could oh. point out the the direction of the right. villages, but we can't see them. Right, right, right. Yeah. And actually, you know, although we call them the Orang Slater, and we we mentioned in our intro that they 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 lived in the straits, mm. presumably because they're on boats, they could go around mm. Singapore and pr- pr- up and up the north and uh, the east and west coast of Malaysia as well. Uh, but they stayed. Mostly around the northern coast and southern coast of Johor, so right. they didn't go out to like the bigger right. sea. Right, mm. right, right, right. Partly because their their boats are quite small, oh, so they couldn't okay. withstand the the currents of right, the right, right, right. bigger sea. And um, in 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 Malaysia, it sounds like they've managed to maintain a large part of their culture mm. and you know the language, mm-hmm. right? But that's less so in Singapore. Mm, yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know, uh, I think in your essay you write about how the Orang Slater was were resettled. Mm. Would it would it be accurate to say that most of them, you know, lived in the in the Orang Slater villages in Johor, but some of them also lived in Singapore? Oh, uh, you mean during the resettlement yeah. period? It's hard to pinpoint exactly the percentage sure. of um, people who migrated and people who stayed. Uh, we did also try to find Orang Selita living in Singapore, but we couldn't find any. Okay, uh, it's much harder. Mm. Although there has been a resurgence in interest in mm, yeah. the indigenous people of Singapore, right? The yes, Orang yes. Laut, the... Yeah. Um, so hopefully we will, f- we will meet someone or you will bump into a, a Singaporean who has Orang Selita parents or grandparents. Mm, yeah. like, that would be quite cool. If you're listening to this, please yes, <laughs> reach <yes>. out. <laughs> all uh, 11 of you, please. No, <laughs> all 11,000, I mean. All 11,000 people who are listening to this podcast. You know, If you know someone who is related to um, Orang Selita, uh, please get in touch with us. Um, what would, you know, when they came to Singapore, uh, you also took them to like, to see, there was a picture of uh, all of them at the Merlion. Yes. So, so you also took them to the more modern parts, yeah. of, uh, parts of Singapore. Yeah, we walked around uh, the Singapore River and they were very cute. They brought along their headdresses. Right. Yeah, right, and they right, let right. us wear it and we took a photo and they were very proud um, to, to wear it. Yeah, and even at the play... They were wearing it um, the night before. Oh, one okay. of the 
one of the ladies uh, was asking for a pen knife so that she could make the... <laughs> Oh. Yeah, so that she could weave the headdress. Oh, right, right. <laughs> she wanted to make sure that everybody had one. <laughs> oh, 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 all the run. How many people? How many run came to Singapore? I think about ten. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. And and w- 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 was it just the oldies who had lived who had who had lived on boat, or was it did it include young people as well? Included young people as well. Yeah, some of them brought along their kids. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's so cool. Are you are you still in touch with them? Uh, yes. Uh, so currently, we are trying to get their signatures for the uh, oral history interviews. Because initially, we thought that um, just verbal consent is enough. But apparently, we need to get their signatures. Right, right. Yeah. So, so now you're trying to get them to just sign off on the documents. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, and how many hours of, of oral history interviews are we talking about here? Uh, we have about 10 interviews, each of them between one to one and a half hours. All right, okay. Yeah, I think it'll be wonderful. I, I, I hope you manage to get their, their signatures and we'll, you know, we'll keep them in the oral history archives and, yeah. and, and, and you know, digitize them. Yeah, and uh, we will share it with them as well. W- were the interviews done in, um, presumably they were done in Malay rather yeah, than Conslater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, you know, right now, uh, you you work. Uh, what 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 do you do now? Uh, work as a special ed teacher. All right, cool. How long have you been doing that? Uh, for about two years. Okay, and yeah, do you enjoy the work? Years. Yes, I do. Well, what do you like about it? Um, I think every day is a different challenge. Um, and are you planning to do any more writing? Yes, I am. Uh, planning to write one more article on the Orang Slita again? yeah about the Orang Slita so uh, in collaboration with Jeffrey who is a photographer oh right so, the, 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 who, who is himself Orang Slita right yeah so uh, a lot of his pictures are in my article in Biblio Asia so he has a lot more photos um, that has yet to be seen so yeah we are working on that okay fantastic you mm-hmm. know we, we hope to be able to to you know see this article out in print very soon. We, we've sort of come to the end of the the Orang Slater specific part of the interview. Mm-hmm. We're just going to wrap up this interview by asking you the same questions that we actually ask all our interviewees. Tell us, you know, without thinking too hard, you know, who do you think is the coolest person in Singapore history? Mm, Lieutenant Adnan Bin Saidi. Okay. All right. Okay, I can I can get I can get behind that. Um, which historical figure would you like to have dinner with? Mm, Haja Fatima. Okay. Why Why Haja Fatima? Uh, she was a very successful tradeswoman, which was not easy at the time. Um, and she also uplifted the poor and she built the mosque. So I just wanted to ask her how she did all of that. <laughs> right, right. Have you ever uh, worshipped at the Hajar Fatima Mosque? Yes. Uh, it, it's, the, it's the one that's sort of slanting slightly. Right? Yeah. Do, do you, but it, it, can you only tell that from the outside when you're inside? Can you tell that you're... you're from the inside, room? no. All right. Yeah, okay. it's only from the outside. Okay, it's quite, quite cool. It's just slightly off-center, right? Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, there's no danger of it like becoming the leaning tower piece type. No, I hope not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you think is, you know, the most underrated or intriguing part of, of history? Mm. Period of history. 
to me, I'm very intrigued by the pre-colonial, uh, anything that is pre-colonial, mm. um, because a lot of it is intertwined with like mythical and spiritual aspects. So I think it leaves a lot to your imagination. You okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, what What are you reading now? Uh, currently, I am reading "Snowing in Bali" by Kath. Catherine Bonella. Oh, what is that? Yeah. So it's actually a book about the drug trade and dealership in Bali. Yeah, and Singapore is actually mentioned oh. in one part of it because one of the uh, drug dealers came to Singapore for an operation. Okay, all right. Well, see. <laughs> Cheated Medical <death>. tourism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, complete the sentence. Um, history is... Open to debate. And finally, uh, BiblioAsia is... BiblioAsia is something that students should read. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> Although I, I think that, you know, I, I hope they read it, but I mm-hmm. think that, you know, it's a lot of what's in our magazine isn't in like in the A-level syllabus or anything. Yeah, right? but, that's part of the reason why it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Because uh, otherwise it becomes very narrow. Yeah. Right, but actually history is much more than... It's than so rich. Yeah. It's very rich. You know, I mean, Singapore is very small and we haven't done enough to really excavate mm-hmm. huge swaths of our history. But at the same time, what we have done is actually quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think and it will make um, the younger generation more interested to know about Singapore history. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, thank you, Ilya, for, for joining me on Bibliasia Plus. And if you want to learn more about the Orang Slita, you know, uh, check out Ilya's article on the Bibliasia website at bibliasia.nlb.gov.sg. Thank you, Ilya, uh, uh, once again for joining us. Thank you, Jimmy. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the podcast and the BiblioAsia newsletter. Thank you for joining me on BiblioAsia Plus.